spend some time together. And today, you know, the Rebbe and um, his uh, his father-in-law had the Rebbe always quotes his father-in-law the message from this week's parsha, mm-hmm. and basically the message is that it's never too late. You know, sometimes people think that certain things you can make up, you know, certain times you can make up. But then people think that sometimes you've gone so far or you've done things so terrible that it's too late. But the Rebbe says the message from this week's portion is that it's never too late. We always have an opportunity to make up and make right what we've done wrong. It talks about specifically, as we'll see, about the Korban Pesach. So let's review a little bit from the Parsha, and then we'll go a little bit deeper into the inside of it. So this is what happens. So we read in the Parsha, so that uh, God speaks to Moshe, and this is uh, in the desert of Sinai, and this was the second year on the first day of Nisan. So remember, when did the Jews leave? Uh, when did they, first of all, what is called the first month? The Torah, when the Torah says the first month. When is the first month? Nisan. Nisan. Not like we call Tishrei. The Torah calls Nisan the first month. The Torah says the second year on Nisan. Okay? On the first day of Nisan. What is the second year? When did the first year begin? The first year began when they went out of Egypt. When did the Jews go out of Egypt? On the 15th day of Nisan. So you had the whole month, a whole year. So it means Nisan, Iyar, Sivan. They didn't call them by the names. What did they call them? They hold the first month, the second month, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. Until the 12th month. Once the 12th month when the cycle went, now they're back to the first month. But the first month in the second year. Second year in the first month. So God gives a command. The first time God spoke to them about bringing the Pesach was while they were still in Egypt. But on the first, in the second year, that was basically 12 months later, Hashem instructs them. He says, let the Bnei Yisrael make the Pesach on the time. What was the time? The Pesach says, on the 14th day of this month, which is Nisan, in the afternoon, they should make it in the timely way. They should follow all the statutes and all the laws as Hashem has told them while they were in Egypt. So this is God speaking to Moshe. And then Moshe speaks to the Jewish people and he told them they should make the Pesach. Vaydaber Moshe al-Bnei Yisrael, Lassos Pesach, go make the Pesach. So it says the Jewish people came on the first day, on the 14th day of the month in the afternoon, they all made the Pesach as Hashem has instructed Moshe, so the Jewish people did. Then the Torah story tells the Torah tells us a story what happened. There were people 
that have been defiled. They've been tome. What means tome? They touched a corpse. When you touch a corpse, you become tome. The way to become pure, you have to wait seven days. You got to sprinkle from the red heifer, from the ashes. The whole process to become clean. There were some people that were Tomei. They were Tomei because they touched a body. Now, they explained that these were actually the people that took care of the bodies of the two sons of Aaron. Remember they... uh, No. I take that back. We're talking about now... uh, uh, yeah, no, no, the, the, no, 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 that, that, that's right. So, the two sons of Aaron, and they were uh, uh, handled by these people, they were, so they became Tomei. Now, the Torah says, we said before, we learned that in order to eat the Korban Pesach, in order to make the Korban Pesach, you have to be pure. If you're not pure, you can't make the Korban Pesach. And these people were actually asked by Moshe Rabbeinu to remove the corpse and they had the big celebration and it was under Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So they were Tomei. And they could not bring the Korban Pesach and they could not eat the Korban Pesach at nighttime because they were not clean. They had to wait they had to wait one more day, actually, it said. The seventh day was Pesach. This was, and they couldn't get quite clean. They needed to wait one more day. So they came to Moshe and Aaron on that day. And what did the people say? They say to Moshe and Aaron, We are Tommy. Why should we lose out? Why should we not be able to bring the offering of Hashem in time, together with the rest of the Jews. They felt bad. They couldn't bring it because they were not clean. Okay. So, Moshe says to them, you know what? Wait a minute. Let me hear what God will say that I should do. No, let me hear. Shem says to Moshe as follows. Talk to the children of Israel to say, any man who will be Tomei to a corpse, or they would be in a distant place. Notice the words here, it says, Lochem. Derech Rechoka Lochem. Lochem, what means to you? As Rashi the Gemara explains, what it means is, even if deliberately, in other words, you were on a road deliberately far from the Bet HaMikdash, so that you cannot bring the carbon. Or this will happen in the generations to come. You still can make a Pesach for Hashem. The Pesach you still can make. Now, the Rebbe makes the emphasis over here. It says, a person who is defiled by touching a corpse. 
Now, there are various different levels of tumah, of defilement, spiritual defilement. But touching a corpse which is lifeless is considered the most severe of all the uh, levels of tumah, of defilement. So even, the Pasuk says, even if you are tamal nefesh, what would that mean metaphorically? That would mean even a person who has sunk on a spiritual very low level, has gone far away in, in, in level. He's become defiled his soul. Even that person. Or it says he was in a distant place. That also tells us he's gone so far off the track. He's far away. And even if it's lochem, even if it's deliberate, in other words, it's not a mistake. It's not something that, you know, you can blame on somebody else. You know, people always blame everything. It's somebody else's fault. Can't blame anybody else. It's your own fault. It's very clear. You have another opportunity. You can make a Pesach for Hashem. The Pesach says, also Pesach Hashem. When do you make that Pesach for Hashem? That will be in the second month. That will be in the month of Iyar. On the 14th day in the afternoon, you shall make him. And you should also eat matzahs and bitter herbs at the time you eat the Korban Pesach, just like by the first time. The Torah goes on to tell you, don't leave it up to the morning, don't break no bones. The same laws as apply to the first Pesach applies to the second one. Rabbi? Yes. But if we left on the 15th, wouldn't the Pesach Korban be given on the Pesach? The Shani one be given on the 15th? No, the, while we left Egypt on the 15th, the Korban Pesach was on the 14th. And um, they were supposed to eat the Korban Pesach on the night of the 15th. And then after midnight, the firstborn died. And then they went out in the middle of the day on the 15th. So the, um, Korb, the Pesach was always brought on the 14th. 14th is the day of the Korban Pesach. Okay? Thank you. Yeah. What happens, the Torah says, a person who was clean and he wasn't on the road and he doesn't make the Pesach. So then there's a punishment of he'll be cut off. That's a spiritual level of cut off, whatever that exactly means. Because he did not bring the Korban of Hashem in a timely fashion, he carries his, his sin. Okay, the same thing applies to a convert. All the laws apply equally to a regular Jew, to a convert. All applies the same. Okay, so this is the way this is recorded in the, uh, in the Chumash, in the Torah. So the Rebbe says, so you see there is a, uh, a difference, a general difference between the first Korban Pesach can be equated to a level of tzaddikim, of righteous, and the second Pesach is like Baal Teshuvah. What does that mean? Uh, a tzaddik is a one who is righteous, who always goes in the path, the right path, doesn't do 
anything wrong, and he just lives a, a righteous, consistent, holy life of Torah and mitzvot, and does things in a straight path. About Teshuva, on the other hand, is someone who has strayed and gone off the path, and then he's a returnee, he returns to Hashem. Which, at the time of Pesach, uh, the first people were like Tzadikim. Because what happens at the first Pesach, in the first year when they came out? At that time, we were born. It's, we were became like newborns. When we became a nation, we became like newborns. We became like converts, all of us. The whole Jewish people, we became like newborn people. It, there is an expression that says that a convert that converts is like a newborn. It's a new start, a new beginning, a new life. In other words, the previous life that you had doesn't count, doesn't matter. It's nothing. It doesn't affect your life from here and on. Uh, Ger starts a new life. The Jewish people, uh, when they went out of Mitzrayim, uh, they were born. They became like a people at the time. And, you know, through, they had the blood on the doorposts and the men uh, circumcised. That was the mitzvahs. They were like pure, holy. They didn't have any any baggage with them from the past. Started a new slate, new people. They were like tzaddikim. They were like righteous people. The second Pesach, the people were like Balit Shuva, because why? They were already, as the Pesach describes them, they were defiled. Now, of course you're going to say, well, they didn't on their own defile themselves in this story of the Chumash. They were actually doing a mitzvah, as I explained to you before. Uh, The sons of Aaron, they died on uh, uh, Nadav and Avihu. They died. Uh, and they were told uh, the relatives to remove the body, uh, so they were basically instructed to defile themselves. We're not talking about exactly the story what happened there. We're talking about conceptually. The idea is that when a person is tome, that represents a status of impurity in which the person is trying to get back. And as you see, what did they say? They say, why should we lose out? As we learned before. They were asking from Moshe, and they said, we don't want to lose out just because we were tummy, just because we were defiled, just because we didn't, but we want a chance too. They asked for a chance. It's like about Teshuva, who says, yes, you know, I didn't live a life connection of Hashem, but I want to connect now. I want a second chance. I want to connect to Hashem now. That's, so that's the idea of the second Pesach, is asking for a chance. Very interesting. You know, most portions of the Torah, 
We don't wait for the people to ask. In this case, if you notice, they asked Hashem. They came to Moshe to complain. Where else? We have one more time in the Torah by B'noi Slavchot. You know, most of the parts of the Torah were given by Hashem. Hashem said, this is the law, and we give, gives us all the laws. It's not like the people complain to Hashem and say, oh, we would like this, we would like that, and Hashem responds and says, oh, okay, I'm going to make the rule now because you asked for it. That didn't, that's not the way it worked. This is an exception. Over here, Hashem didn't say to begin with, oh, you know what, if somebody can't make the first Pesach, let him go make a second Pesach. It's not the way it happened. First, they had to come to complain. And they said, oh, why should we lose out? Why should we not be able to make the Korban Pesach? So, it came from them. Usually, when a person does Teshuvah, it comes from them. In other words, they are the ones that bring about, bring the turn. In the status in where they are, they can hardly be sensitive to anything spiritual. They are so deep in, in their defilement that they're not sensitive, they're not open. Their hearts are not ready to accept anything from the outside. It comes from within. The Baal Teshuva realizes that being far away from Hashem, not to connect to Hashem, is not what they really want from themselves. So that's why in this Pesach, the way it was set up, also that it came out from themselves. Another interesting thing is to note over here, you know, we have a lot of times, I don't know if you were aware of that, I'm sure you know that the holiday of Pesach is seven days. The holiday of Sukkot is also seven days. Now, don't jump on me, I know it's eight days, but the eighth day is a separate yontif. But the actual days of the first hal- of, the, of, the, of, 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 of Sukkot is seven days. And Shemini Atzeres, that's a separate yontif. Pesach is seven days, right? And I remember talking about in the diaspora, we had an extra day because we weren't sure. But from the Torah, it's seven days for Sukkot and seven days for Shavuos. How many, uh, and, and, and Pesach. How many days for Shavuos? One two. day. Okay, in the diaspora it's two days. But in the Torah, how many days? One day. One. Only one day. So, Shavuos is only one day. And it's another explanation why is Shavuos really one day versus the other ones that are seven days because it's written that because Shavuos is beyond uh we reach on a higher level, it doesn't come down in numbers of days. The number of seven days represents hishtalshalus, it represents the evolution, because you have the seven steps uh, uh, the, of the day, you have seven days of the week, you have the seven svirot, chesed, gvore, tiferes, that represents hishtalshalut, uh, the orderly fashion. But when you talk about shavuos, the holiday reaches into the level of Keter, that leads to the higher level. So over there we don't need much days. It's just 
One day, one day covers it all. It's uh, a whole lot in one day. It's not divided up into various different levels. But whatever the explanation is, on Shavuot, we only have one day. So what happens, you know, with the time of the Beis HaMikdash, when the people used to come for the three holidays, they have to bring an offering, a korban chagigas, somebody had to bring korbanot for the temple. So how do all the people bring the korbanot in one day? So Pesach, they had seven days. Sukkot, they had seven days. But what about Shavuot? How are they going to bring it all in one day Shavuot? And therefore, we learn it out in the Talmud, we learn it out that you can bring the, the Korbanot for seven days. Also on Shavuot, you can bring the seven days. So if you didn't bring it on the first, second, you have seven days to make up. So what happens? So actually, up till the 12th of the month, Shavuot is six. So the seventh, Eight, they have seven days. Sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. Till the twelfth of the month, you could still bring the korbanot. That's on Shavuot. And that's why we, in turn, over here, don't say the tachanun. We don't say the special, still a kind of a semi-holiday, up till the twelfth of the month. But in any event, which ended on Shabbat anyways, uh, this last Shabbat. And then uh, Sunday was already the thirteenth. And today is already the 15th. But we have seven days to make up. So one wonders, okay, they couldn't bring. The way it's brought out is, I mentioned before in the Talmud, that makes the uh, calculation over there, that these people that were Tomei, that came to Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, they were just missing shy one day. Because on the seventh day, after they sprinkled on them, they could already do the Korban Pesach. They were short one day. That was the seventh day. They needed to wait till the next day, and that was already one day too late. So the question is, one wonders, why did Hashem say a whole month? Why didn't Hashem say within the seven days? Anyways, those seven days, the other sacrifices that they missed out for the holiday, they can bring it within the seven days. Why did Hashem say, oh, if you didn't make it now, you can make it in a month from now. In the next month. Same day the next month. Why another month? Uh, And the answer to that is, it is a category by itself. And it was given in a new month, not within the seven days. Basically, the explanation we're saying now that the Pesach Rishon, the first Pesach, is Sadikim. That belongs to the month of Nisan. Nisan is the time for tzaddikim. Iyar is the time for Bali Teshuvah. You can't just, it's not just to fulfill a lacking of a korban. It's a separate category. The Rebbe is trying to explain that the first Pesach is a time for tzaddikim, for those who go in the right way. Iyar 
is a special time designated for Baal Tshuva. So it's not just something to be brought within the seven days. And the Rebbe points out that a person who does Teshuva can do things that a tzaddik cannot do. In other words, they have greater powers. About Teshuva has greater powers than even a tzaddik. They can accomplish things even that a tzaddik cannot accomplish. Because a Baal Teshuva can take things that were negative and turn them around and make them into mitzvahs. So a tzaddik cannot touch negative. If you are doing what's right, if you're a tzaddik, you cannot elevate sparks that are in the three klippas atmeis, those are totally defined, you cannot elevate them. A tzaddik cannot do that. About teshuva can. About teshuva can make something which was negative and make it into a mitzvah. Because about teshuva taps in in a higher place in which even sins can be turned into mitzvahs. You know, I like to tell this joke, I've said this uh, several times, I'm not sure if it's a joke or not, but they say about the Barditch of a Rebbe, who would always find something nice to say, every situation, he always found the positive, you know, it's a very good characteristic trait, you know, some people always look at the bad, they always find something negative, they see something, they see somebody, they're always criticizing, and they're always critical, they're always assuming the worst, the Barditcher was not like that. He looked at everything positive. He tried to find a positive spin to everything. So it says that one time he walked out of shul in the break of the after in the middle of Yom Kippur davening, and one of the non-religious Jewish young people there was eating a sandwich. And uh, on Yom Kippur. And he didn't look like he was sick, that he was going to die if he didn't fast. Uh, he didn't look any of that. And the Bardisha Rebbe bumps into him. And he says to him, Oh, my friend, he says, he says, I envy you. He says, Rabbi, why do you envy me? I'm a bum like me. Why, why do you envy me? He says, look, it says that a uh, Baal Teshuva who repents out of love, then all of his sins turn into mitzvahs. So he says, you imagine how many mitzvahs you can have? I can work all my life, I can't get all those mitzvahs, because you have so many averis that you're doing. If you only did Teshuva, you would have a whole stack, much more than I can ever have. So this young man, he was a wise guy. He says to the rabbi, wait till next year, you'll envy me even more. <laughs> he says, next year, I'll have a lot more. <laughs> but the end of the story goes that 
the words of the rabbi did affect him, and he actually did teshuvah. The point here is, somebody who does teshuvah can take negative areas in your life. One is not supposed to do a lot of things in his life. He's supposed to be careful. And you can't do what is against Hashem's will. And the only way to deal with negative is pushing away, not doing it. You can't elevate it. But somebody who did go in the wrong direction and used things and did things that were negative, they can actually take all those negative things and bring them up and make them at a higher level. They have extra powers which a tzaddik doesn't have. Only the Balchuba has. That means that they have. And the reason they have that is because they take their power from a higher source. They take it from higher... They take it... They, their power of teshuva touches and, and connects them with a place where maybe the Torah and the mitzvahs don't matter so much that you can take even things that were wrong and make them into good. To take averis and make them into mitzvahs. To make them into zechuyas. And this explains to us also very interestingly about the halacha, the difference between the first Pesach and the second Pesach. Remember, we learned in the Chumash before when I read it, it says when you eat the second Korban Pesach, what should you have together with the Korban Pesach? Matzah. Matzah and murr. You have to have matzah and murr. Together, together with it, right? Now, what about chametz? When you eat the korban pesach, do you uh, do you have to check your house for chametz? You have to clean your house for the second pesach, or it's okay to have chametz in your house when you're eating the second pesach? And the answer is, we'll look in the Chumash, it doesn't say anything about Chometz. There's, no, uh, there's no issue of Chometz on the second day of Pesach. On the second uh, Pesach. You can have all the Chometz you want in your house and still have the Korban Pesach. Isn't that interesting? The first Korban Pesach, we say, uh-uh, no Chometz. Can't be seen, can't be found. You gotta sell your Chometz, you gotta get rid of your Chometz. You got to clean your house. Can you imagine? You had to clean your house again a month later. Uh, do uh, spring cleaning again. Oh, no. Okay. Say, I'll do it one time. I, won't. <laughs> I don't want to do it again. The Torah says, well, you can bring a second Korban Pesach, but you don't have to get rid of the Chometz. That's number one. And the other thing is, you have to eat matzah just at the time you eat the Korban Pesach. What about after that? What about the next six days? No matzah. The first Korban Pesach, you had to eat matzah for six days. So that celebration of the second Pesach, you eat the Korban Pesach, you can have chometz over there, and you don't have no seven days. Why this difference? Why in the first Pesach you can't have no chometz? And you have to have seven-day celebration. And the second day, you can have chometz, and it's only one day. 
Well, now we understand it why, based on the previous explanation. Because the first Pesach represents Sadiqim. And the second Pesach represents Baal Teshuva. On the first Pesach, a tzaddik, tzaddikim, can't deal with negativity. Chometz, leaven, is considered to be negative. It's considered to be, it blows, it's ego, it represents negative forces. Can't have it, you got to get rid of it. Because a tzaddik can't deal with negative forces. The only way of dealing it is getting rid of it. So we tell you that Saudi gets rid of all the chametz from his house. The Baal Teshuva, he can have chametz. Why? I think your mother lost the connection over there somewhere. Oh. Uh, Baal Teshuva, I'll watch if she tries to get on again. About okay. Teshuva, about Teshuva can tolerate. About Teshuva can tolerate. I just like to compare this, you know, they, they once asked uh, by uh, the Satmer, you know, Chabad, Chabad sends out uh, young people, young families all over the world to do outreach work, but by the other Hasidic groups, they are all concentrated in the same community, insulated, in the same neighborhood, everybody is together. So they asked once the Satmer Rebbe, they asked them, how come you don't spread out like the Chabad goes out all over the world? And uh, you keep them all in one place, insulated. Look what Chabad does. He said, Chabad goes out there and brings me more people. They bring their Rebbe, more Jews, they bring more Hasidim. They do work to influence the community. He says, if I send my people out, I would lose them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. not only will they not bring anybody in, but they'll get lost. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. You know, Chabad knows they can have the Chomets, they can have negativity, they can live in communities which are not so, and yet they can stay strong, like the Baal They can stay strong because they lead the Baal movement. They can stay there while you have a lot of things that don't fit their lifestyle, they don't have the accommodations, the things that help them, and yet they can stay strong. They're like the Pesach Shemi. You can have all the things in your environment and yet celebrate Hashem and celebrate the Korban Pesach. But the Tzadik can't deal with it. You know, if you bring him in the Chomets, you got to get rid of the Chomets. That's one difference between the first Pesach and the second day. The second difference is because it's an, the tzaddik is an orderly conduct, he does what's right, and therefore it is divided into seven, the seven emotions, the seven days of the week, seven shows on Hishtal Shalut. There is an order of things. We go step by step and we keep on getting closer to Hashem every day, step by step but that's why there are seven, but the Baal Teshuvah, he takes his life 
and turns it around in one shot. It doesn't take seven. It doesn't take a whole bunch of steps. He takes it with one turn and turns it all around. It's enough one day, one night when we do the Korban Pesach. One time he takes the force from beyond Hishtalshulot, from beyond the world, and he brings it in and it changes around the bring to Korban Pesach. Now, of course, these are two categories. But we actually also have within ourselves part of us are tzaddikim, each one of us, and part of us about shuvas, because some parts of our lives we've done right all the time, or we try to do right all the time. Some parts of our life we make mistakes, and we're like about shuvas. So we have to know in both ways. Of course, it's best to always do things the right way in an orderly. Do the Pesach Rishon, do it in the way it should be. That's very beautiful and very special. But we also have the other part. We have to know that if we made mistakes, not only can we reach to the level of when we don't make mistakes, but actually we can even accomplish even more so that we stand on a much stronger and a much higher and a much greater level of closeness to Hashem. And that's an encouragement to us to go ahead and try to do things the right way so we're closer. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I was thinking of a possible reason. All the effort we put in to make our house free of chametz, perhaps it's equal to all the effort the Baal Teshuvah has to do to pull themselves up out of the muck and, and do Teshuvah. And maybe it's just not that important, the physical cleaning out of the chametz. I mean, it's more spiritual cleaning out of the chametz that they're doing in the second Pesach Shemi. Okay, that's a possibility we're trying to um, to figure out. Okay, that's a good idea. Um, you know, I said this also. Uh, uh, there was once a couple that they decided that they wanted to become religious. They wanted to do teshuva. They didn't live a religious life altogether, but then they decided... You know, getting older, we got to face a day of judgment, you know, maybe. Maybe it's time. So they said, okay, let's go. What does a person when become religious? First thing you got to do is got to buy a Jewish calendar because you got to know what's, what holidays are on. They take the calendar, oh, you give out. In two weeks is Pesach. So the guy says to his wife, he says, in two weeks is Pesach. If we do Teshuvah now, that means we're going to have to clean the whole house and clean the stove and kasher and bring in all the dishes. This is so difficult. Let's do Teshuvah <laughs> after Pesach. <laughs> we're going to wait after Pesach. It's going to be easier. It's just a, it's a joke because we do Teshuvah comes from the inside. It's not like a technical thing. You decide about what's convenient and what's good for us. But we should never give up. We should always stay strong. And we should always look for the opportunity to become even closer to Hashem by doing more mitzvahs and by increasing our uh, love and care 
of the mitzvahs were already due, and hopefully uh, that will bring Baloscha Saneros. The parsha talks about lighting the lamps because we all have a lamp, and the Kohen God lights our lamps. You know, he ignites us, puts us on fire. So while sometimes it's dormant, and then we get the arousal from the Kohen Gadol for us even to do Teshuvah, even we, though we said before, Teshuvah comes from yourself, but somebody has to give you sort of a, a wake-up call so that you yourself should want to. So hopefully we can all reach that level.